Welcome to Seven Skills for the Future podcast. My name is Emma Sue Prince, and this podcast is based on the internationally selling book by the same name. This book focuses on seven important skills. They are adaptability, critical thinking, empathy, integrity, being proactive, being optimistic, and being resilient. And this podcast is all about how you can bring these skills into your everyday life so that you are living a life full of happiness, full of purpose, great relationships, doing work that you love, and just really getting the most out of life. Welcome back to Seven Skills for the Future podcast. I'm Emma Sue Prince, and I'm delighted to be featuring this new series of Rising Up. I feel like we are entering a new phase, a fresh start, if you like, but more importantly, I feel like it's a time when we need a big fat boost to our energy levels. And I think this is the case, whatever we may be starting or changing in our lives, but especially where we are at the moment with the pandemic. We're at a point where we really need to build resilience. And so this series focuses on that and how we can build that mentally, physically and emotionally. So I've been talking about embracing uncertainty and change and finding ways to thrive within it. And on this episode, I'm speaking with Susan Saunders about her book, The Age Well Project, Easy Ways to a Longer, Healthier and Happier Life. And we talk about great tips and actions for building resilience and strength. Susan Saunders is co-author with Annabelle Streets. Together, they're on a mission to encourage us all to plan ahead to be really healthy as we get older. Now, I've just had a birthday, so this is very much on my mind. But I also know that how we look after ourselves, our bodies, our minds, has a huge impact on our ability to be resilient, confident and strong. These are all super important skills right now. And how we experience getting older and nurturing health and happiness is our choice. We are responsible for our future health and our health mentally and physically right now. Susan and I discuss what rising up means to her and lots of practical ideas and tips for building and nurturing resilience. Never have we needed this more and I really hope you enjoy this episode and get lots of valuable help, support and ideas from Susan and from our discussion. Welcome back to Seven Skills for the Future podcast. I am delighted to be here today with Annabelle Streets, author of The Age Well Project, Easy Ways to a Longer, Healthier, Happier Life. And she has a co-author, Susan Saunders, but I'm so pleased to have Annabelle with us today on the podcast. Welcome. Hi. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. 
Great to have you. So this new series of the podcast, I've called it Rising Up. And I'd love to know what comes to mind when you hear those words, rising up. I think they're great words. They're really powerful. And they make me think of new beginnings. They make me think of um, plants, trees, um, things that have perhaps been, you know, down in the soil, <laughs> in the dark, wet soil for a bit and are, are bursting forth. So I think I think they're two. But I mean, both words are very powerful, aren't they? You've got up and you've got rising and the combination um, are, are full of hope, I think. Yeah. I think hopeful words. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very hopeful words. Um, and I, I kind of want to, I guess, start with that hope and that optimism and how we can, in your view, how we can build more of that into our lives. Yes. Yes. I guess it's never been more perhaps pertinent than it is now to really try and um, embrace, embrace uncertainty and um, I think, we, we, you know, we've all over the last few months, we've all learned to live with uncertainty in a way that we never did before. And personally, for me, it, it, it took a while to accept it. And then it took a little bit longer to embrace it and to see the positives. But mm -hmm. during during that period, the, I, I guess the sort of the first half of 2020, I did read a lot about how to turn uncertainty and the other side of uncertainty, which is fear, how to make them work for you. And mm. I think that if, if we can learn to not just to live with them, but to use them as creative drivers, to use them as fuel, I think that, you know, we will be, we'll be rising up fast and, <laughs> and you know, with, with strength and with fortitude and with courage rather than just thinking, oh, this is the, that, that awful phrase, you know, the new normal is to live with uncertainty. Mm. Actually, uncertainty can be very good. Uncertainty can help us. It can clarify things. It can help us see what's important to us. It can help us focus. Um, and, you know, it can all, I mean, life is, life is about peaks and valleys, isn't it? And you have to have the valley to recognize when you're on the summit, on the peak. And if you're just, I think before maybe we were just all hovering around the peak in our, our very pleasant lives, uh, which perhaps we took for granted a little bit. Uh, and now having been down into the valley, we will come up, we'll rise up, I think, much more appreciative. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think it is very much like that. And I think um, uncertainty can definitely be a fuel for creativity. And, and maybe in some ways we need it to become better versions of ourselves. I think that's how I look at it sometimes, that um, this whole situation is calling on us to re-examine our lives and to dig deep and actually really become, yeah, better versions of ourselves. Yes. Yeah. And it's funny because during during the, the pandemic, I was invited to join more creative collectives. I'm also a, a creative writer than I've ever been invited on before. And suddenly everyone was saying, you know, artists and musicians, people were saying, can you come and join our collective? And it was as though there was this huge, sort of slightly frustrated at the time, but this huge burst of creative energy that was trying to find an outlet and mm. people were, you know, looking for ways to, to make it work. And now, of course, we're looking for ways to keep it going. 
Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. So artists, musicians, and writers. Um, but what if? But what if you don't kind of think of yourself naturally as a creative person? You know, what if you're not an artistic person, or you, you know, or you, you know, you say you're not artistic, or you're not a writer, or you're not a musician? How do you dig into that creative side? Well, actually, I think that's been the other the other upside of of you know what we've all been through is that people have spent and they've had a little bit more time and many more people have started doing something a little bit creative so mm-hmm. people started i mean all sorts of people started doing all sorts of things that they had never done before from you know flower pressing to picking up a guitar and having a strum so i know a lot of people who who found uh, a creativity in them that they hadn't either been aware of before mm-hmm. or hadn't mm-hmm. had the time to explore so again it's about you know if, if everyone can hold on to that little bit of and actually, I believe that everyone, everyone has <laughs> something creative in them. I mean, yeah. it's part of the human condition, isn't it, to, to try and express ourselves and to find ways of doing that. Yeah, so yeah. Well, the, least, I have to... the person who thinks they're not creative, you know, they've been creating beautiful photo albums or they've been, you know, doing something that they would never have done before, cooking perhaps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I, I was just actually thinking that I myself have managed to make a really, really bad mosaic. <laughs> um, yeah, it's really not good. I am not, I don't consider myself to be artistic at all. But that, but that doesn't um, matter, does it? No, no. Um, whether, and in fact, what we should stop doing is thinking, is, is doing exactly what you've done, Emma Sue, is to say, <laughs> I'm no good and it's hopeless. It's not. And that's not true because you, you've done it, you've created it. Yes. And, and, and actually what was interesting about it was that I found it, very very soothing and very relaxing to create this mosaic and and I didn't I didn't care about the outcome you know I wasn't attached to what it was going to look like I I just enjoyed doing it so for me that was a kind of new new experience whereas maybe I would have thought oh you know I've got to learn how to you know create this mosaic and learn how the learn the techniques I was just kind of slapping it on and just throwing it together and just having a great time (laughs) Well, I hope, you, um, I hope you, you know, keep that going. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but I think it, I, I think it's really interesting what you say because, because that we, you know, we do need to express ourselves. And I think, you know, one of the things that, that I think has been very hard is, you know, we crave connection with others and we've had to find different ways of connecting. And perhaps that creativity is, is one of those ways. Yeah, I think you're right. I think often when we create, we are we are reaching out, aren't we? We're we're, we're trying to communicate to someone somehow in our mm. own way. Uh, mm. And being being in isolation has has definitely been uh, hard in terms of you know finding ways to um, keep relationships going uh, and and to foster new relationships. And I yeah. think creativity definitely definitely helps you do that because it, it puts you. I mean, at a very functional level. It can put you directly in touch with a community of people who are doing the same sort of thing. And even if you're just sharing your your mosaics on Instagram, for example, yeah, you know, there's yeah. a few new, diff- very different people that you've met who you may carry on communicating with. And and that that connection, that source of contact, is is supremely important for us as human beings. Yeah, yeah, crucial actually, crucial when it comes to well, all sorts of things really. Um, I, I, I want to touch here, I think, now a bit more on, on health and, and some of the things that you write about in, in your book, The Age Well Project. 
um, all these ways that we can be healthier and happier. Do you think those things are becoming, I mean, they've, they've always been important, right? But do you think that they are now becoming more to the forefront? People are more aware that, you know, looking after yourself is actually really important. Yeah, I do. I do. There have been several reports. I mean, there was one report last week, for example, one study that came out um, last week, which looked at repetitive, you may have seen it, repetitive negative thoughts. And uh, the report linked that to Alzheimer's. So it's, it's chicken and egg. So, you know, they, they didn't yeah. know whether having repetitive negative thoughts resulted in Alzheimer's or whether you, you know, when your brain starts to um, develop the, the plaque and tangles of Alzheimer's, that's affect, that affects how you think. So we're not quite sure, but there's definitely a correlation. And these, these correlations between, um, uh, let's, let's call it negative thought, these correlations between negative thought and health are just becoming more and more uh, obvious and coming out in more and more reports. So that one looked at Alzheimer's, mm. but the same sort of finding has been linked to all sorts of other um, physiological outcomes. So I think, I think what we now know is that the things that affect our, our, us in our heads and our, our mood have a direct effect also on our physiology, on our body. Mm. Uh, and how we mm -hmm. think can actually create inflammation in the body. So knowing this really puts the impetus on us to try and do our very best to, um, to you know, if we work on our mood, our body mm -hmm. will be happier. And of course, the other, it works the other way around as well. You know, if your body is unwell, it's, it's quite, it's very difficult. If you're very sick, it's very difficult to be sort of, hopeful and optimistic mm -hmm. and positive so um so knowing that that it's such a that, you know the body and the brain are such fragile things mm -hmm. and knowing knowing i guess of that sort of frailty really and how mm -hmm. interconnected they are uh, i would mm -hmm. really hope that people have picked up on all of this new these new findings and uh, yeah giving themselves a bit more love mm -hmm. and yeah um, you know whether that's uh, and, you know, spending more time doing what they love or whether that is spending less time in a job they hate or whether that is a more exercise or meditation or yoga or walking, you know, whatever your thing is, trying to make time for it. Mm -hmm. um, because I think, you know, we, we have such our lives become so our lives are so busy. Yes, and, and busier, <laughs> I think then our answer, our ancestors never had to deal with the complexity that we have to deal with. Okay, they had mm. they had many other things, but it was a bit more binary then. Mm. You know, mm. you lived or you died. You didn't then live for years and years and years with chronic autoimmune disease, for example. So a lot of a lot of the complexity we live with is quite new. Yes. And the, yes. the technology that we now have, you know, at our fingertips is fantastic, but that also brings a huge level of complexity that again our ancestors never had to deal with. They just mm. had to stay warm. And mm -hmm. get some food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you know, I mean, we we are all living longer, but but it's it, that uh, which is which is great on one hand, but not great if you're going to be spending, I don't know, twenty, thirty years of that time not feeling very healthy or energetic or bright. You know, um, I, no. I, I mean, it can, it's not just illnesses it's also just having achy muscles or you know not okay, being fit yeah. it's those things you know which can contribute so much to our well-being yes 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 and I think you know more than ever we are living sedentary lives 
And our, our bodies just weren't designed for that. You know, our bodies were designed to to move, to lift, to twist, uh, not to just sit in a chair staring at a screen. You know, our eyes are supposed to be blinking all the time. We, we sit looking at screens and, and we don't blink enough. So there's mm. been a huge increase in um, in myopia, in, in people, you know, in sightless, people becoming less and less, um, are their sight deteriorating? Uh, and and researchers think that's because we're spending so much time not blinking, staring at screens. So, you but, know, there are really simple things that we can do. Mm. We have to look at screens, obviously. So I keep saying to my my children, just who are all welded to their screens, you know, just keep blinking, just keep blinking. <laughs> uh, take time yeah. off the screen and just keep moving and fidgeting. We've, we've got a section in the book on the power of fidgeting. And again, you know, <laughs> researchers looked at just, just, if you're just fidgeting, you're just sitting at your desk and you're having a little wiggle and you're wiggling your toes, if that makes an enormous difference because all our muscles are engaged or you know, bit by bit mm. our muscles are engaged. So, you know, that the, the brain likes that, the brain is happy, the body's happy. Um, yes. But there are very, yeah. very small things we can do because, of course, we can't all throw out our laptops and, you know, and spend our lives foraging. But if, <laughs> if we take on board the small things... They can be enormously powerful and they can they can give yeah. us confidence that we are, you know, we are taking control of our own health and well-being. Yeah, I think I mean, what you say about being sedentary, I think I, I couldn't agree with more. And in actual fact, I think that's probably got worse because, you know, people are probably quite a few people are still working from home or only very gradually perhaps going back into their offices and certainly I would speak to people who were moving much less when working from home because at least when they were in an office they were you know getting up to to get coffee or, or walk somewhere or see a colleague and once they started working from home they would actually be moving even less than they were before. Um, and I think that's probably still an issue. So any tips for, 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 for people in that situation? Because I don't think some people have actually figured that out yet, you know, that you need to be moving more. No, no, they haven't figured it out. And um, I have to include my husband in that category. He used to work, he used to walk to work and the walk was three and a half miles each way. He walked in and back. So he walked seven miles a day. And then, you know, the pandemic came along and he was literally just tumbling out of bed <laughs> into, into, the, into the living room where, where he had his home office. I mean, he, he literally walked one flight of stairs. And, you know, after, after three months, he really, he really, he started to become, you know, quite depressed. And so I said, you know, you, you've, got to, you've got to move. You've got to go for a walk each morning because that's what your body's been used to for seven years. You've walked seven miles a day. And, um, and he did start doing that. But it was quite, it, it, he seemed to find it quite difficult to make that a new habit. But, yes. You know, if you are still working from home or you've decided that you, you, want, you like working at home and you want to stay doing that, you, you, have to, you have to factor in as much exercise as you can. So I, I, I work from home as a writer, but I, I never go to my desk until I've walked for at least 45 minutes. So I always mm. get up, I get up quite early and I will go for a long walk. And I actually can't really sit at my desk now if I haven't been for a walk first. It's all about making these habits, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think sometimes that's what people find tricky is how do you integrate these well-being habits? Because my my feeling about all this is that actually we need to really increase our well-being 
you know, what even if we had some good habits before, we need to double them up as we rise up, you know, as we as we kind of start um moving forward and embracing change and and, and getting ready or, or going, you know, going forward to, to this next phase, whatever it brings. I just feel that we've got to really um boost the well-being bit even more. Well, maybe that's the first point about rising up is let's take it literally. Let's literally rise up. So before, when, when you get up in the morning, before you sit down at your desk, you need to rise up and, and get out of the house and get some fresh air and, and get some exercise. It doesn't even have to be arduous. It doesn't have to, you know, it doesn't have to be a run or, you know, a fast brisk walk. It can just be a stroll. But it's just about mm. moving, moving those limbs. So I think rising up is a really good place to start is, is in the morning. <laughs> Have your rise yeah. up walk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I love that. I love that. Um, what about other things we can do during the day or, or just other things generally that you would recommend as being helpful for boosting um, optimism skills and, and resilience? Because I think these two are, are quite, you know, well, they're all important, but these two in particular, I think, are very, very important right now. Well, I think I think um, how you start your day is really, really important. <clears throat> so making that first hour of your day matter and making it mean something um, can get your day off to a much better start than if you just sort of wake up and let the day take you. So, so take control of your day from you know, from the minute you wake up. And I have a few things that I do every single day. And they, they give me a bit of, they, they mean I start the day with a bit of certainty. I start the day with, with my routine, which is, you know, it's my walk. I have my special drink, which is my hot water and lemon. I have a, a hot, cold shower because that combination of hot, cold water has been proven to be particularly good for heart health. I don't actually do it for my heart because I think my heart's fine, but I do it for my uh, mental health. So in the same way that um, wild swimming, if you, I don't know if you've come across some of these studies into wild swimming. Wild swimming has been shown to, I mean, I mean some people have done extraordinary work with wild swimming, using wild swimming for um, people who are deeply depressed, for example. And there's something, that cold, that burst of cold water, there's something about uh, what it does to your body. I think it, it probably terrifies your body. Your body thinks it's about to drown in freezing water. So your body has this instantaneous physiological reaction, which is, wow. So I do that every single morning, even when I don't want to do it, even in the depths <laughs> of winter. So I think, I think you know, thinking about how you, every individual think about how they start their morning and have their own routine that includes something that perhaps jolts them, jolts them awake and, um, you know, for, for me, it's the it's the cold water, it's the, the the warm drink, it's the walk. But everyone will have their own their own perfect. Some people obviously wake up and like to do yoga or do meditation. Um, so that my first tip would be start your day with a very particular program, if you like, um, that you have designed for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, if, if that if you've got like I've got a, I've got four kids, so I have just I have to get up early to to manage mine. <laughs> to try and get all yes. done in peace and quiet. So I I tend to get up early, but I also go to bed very early. Yeah, yeah. I and love I love what you say about that that gives you certainty. Certainty first thing. I I love that. I, I also also during the pandemic I stopped uh listening to the news in the morning and that's a habit I have continued. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, and also uh, watching the news late at night was also something I stopped. I stopped watching news at 10 before I went to sleep. I mean, you, you probably did the same, but anyone that came to me for advice, I just said disconnect from the news uh, first thing in the morning and last thing at night. If you have to catch up with the news, you need to uh, watch something, you know, lunchtime is quite a good time mm, mm. because you're still, I mean, morning people tend to be much more um, optimistic in the morning. So if you've mm-hmm. got something that you don't really want to do or, you know, that's perhaps you're slightly uh, wary of, you know, do it in the morning. Mm. Because then mm. you've, got, well, you've got quite a lot of the day to, to get over it. Um, <laughs> but also you're, you, you've got a bit of, you've got some extra resilience in the morning. So I would do the, I would do my news if I had to. Um, so yeah. you know, mid, yeah, about midday. Yeah. Than yeah. Having it affect how I started the day or affect how I slept. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's such a that 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 whole thing about the news is such a simple tweak to make, but it has a huge impact. I think. Yes, yes, it does, and the news can be quite addictive, um, yeah. particularly when we're in times of uncertainty. People really want or feel they really must keep up with the news, but mm. actually, what they mustn't do is keep up with the news in a way. Mm. I mean, mm. either mm. either sort of read it in the newspaper at lunchtime. But um, try, you know, try and disconnect from it because most most of the news, most of it makes us, you know, there's nothing we can do about it. So it makes us feel out of control. Yes, uh, yes. What we need to be doing is feeling yeah. in control. Uh, and t- so taking taking charge of your health is really empowering because mm-hmm. you it gives you a sudden sense that actually perhaps I, you know, I don't have to end up with Alzheimer's. Perhaps. I don't have to die from COVID. You know, you, you feel that mm. you have, rightly or wrongly, you feel that you have a little bit more um, control. So mm. um, I, I focused quite a lot also on things that were proven to um, boost immunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was, mm-hmm. a, there was a lot of, I mean, a lot of data, a lot of reports were coming out in, in, in the beginning of 2020. And um, quite a lot of them, I, I didn't take any notice of, but some of them, some of them were... Um, I thought significant. So things like, you know, vitamin, supplementing with vitamin D, mm-hmm. uh, supplementing with zinc, uh, uh, a few other, a few other bits and pieces I did, but mainly those are the two. Mm-hmm. And I added those into my, I, I'm, so I'm quite wary about supplements. I don't really like supplements, mm. but the data was really convincing on both vitamin D and zinc. And in fact, when I was researching our book, those were the only two supplements that every time I talked to a nutritionist, you know, they were, they were saying vitamin D and zinc, they're the ones yeah. in the immune system. So, I mean, just factoring those into my daily uh, diet made me feel that I was taking charge a little bit. Yes, yes, yes. Let's actually just talk about um, diet for, for a moment, because I know there's lots of fantastic um, uh, tips and and and. and I was going to say advice, but it's actually it's 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 so well researched around certain types of foods and how they boost you, not just physically but mentally as well, and surely contribute to your resilience. So, what kinds of foods should we really make sure we have in in our diet? Well, oily fish is really important. So, you know, I normally suggest oily fish twice a week. So that would be sardines or uh, salmon or herrings or mackerel um i'm a big fan of tin sardines because they're really cheap and you can just you know they're 50p 
tin of sardines <laughs> and you mash it up and put it mash it up with some you know i put mustard and butter and capers in but you know you put whatever you like in and then put it on some toast and you just need to have that once or twice a week a slice of smoked salmon on some cream cheese you know have that once a week um so the the omegas are really important for our ability to focus and again i think what we everyone found during the pandemic was that it was really difficult to concentrate we were all mm. sort of really distracted uh and so having that fish oil in your diet helps with um at least feeling a feeling that you are uh, possibly helping your concentration um but again again the science the, the science is really strong on on omegas and uh, concentration and brain health mm-hmm. uh, and again things like um vegetables i mean my family i've I've just fed them so many uh, vegetables. Uh, And again, because, you know, all of the different vegetables contain so many nutrients that we need to keep our immunity up and our our mood up. Uh, And it's such an easy thing, such an easy thing to do. You know, a big Mm. tray of roast vegetables we'd have in the evening quite often and uh, a big salad, two or three salads actually every lunchtime, which didn't really take very long. Yeah, I like to think that has got my children into. In fact, it has. I've got three, three. I've got three daughters and a son, and my three daughters now are obsessed with vegetables. And the son, <laughs> the son is getting there. He's a boy, and he's a little bit slower to get there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. Prefers a bacon sandwich, yeah. but even yeah. he now is eating much more fruit than he than he used to. So, so yeah. just keep, um, you know, just mm. keep vegetables on the table. Yeah, and, and I think these things also, they, they do also influence how we're feeling. So if we, I mean, I have to admit um, that during the pandemic, I got into some not so great habits, um, one of which was eating more sugar. And I it, I really noticed the impact of eating more sugar, what it did to my system and how I actually felt quite sluggish and quite right lethargic and and if I'd had sugar the night before this was interesting for me I you know you discover it these kind of things you go along but if I had sugar the night before I'd wake up in the morning and just not have any energy oh that's um, interesting yeah yeah <laughs> a, a few there have been a few reports that have come out and said you know there, there are three things you really need to cut out of your diet you know, thinking thinking about the pandemic thinking about building immunity and you know one is sugar <laughs> yeah it was smoking obviously and then the third one was just you know cutting cutting right back on the alcohol and the thing is yeah. you know, those were the three things that not necessarily the smoking but the, the sugar and the alcohol you know lots of people were having more of those yeah you know yeah. for comfort for reasons of comfort when in fact those are the very things and speaking yeah. of, those are the very things that um we should have been having less of Yes. Yeah. And I, but, but the thing is, I did know it at the time. I mean, I, I, it wasn't alcohol for me. It was, it was chocolate and sugar. And, and I was, I was engaging in eating those things, even though before I hadn't, I, I didn't do it in that way. So I kind of, I, I mm. knew that I, sh- that it was not good for me, but I still would reach for it. So it was a kind of comfort definitely yeah. a, com- a com- comfort thing um <laughs> anyway but yeah I, I noticed that uh that that was quite insightful for me that it had such an impact on my mood you know it wasn't just physically it was also you know mentally as well but it's great um, you noticed that because I think one mm. of the things one of the things that you know I'd always say to someone is you, you have to learn to listen to your body and it's, it's mm. quite difficult 
because we're, we're quite disconnected from our bodies now in our in our funny little worlds that we live with, where we don't move and you know we, we sit we sit all day with our laptops and we eat strange processed food we've sort of we've sort of forgotten when our body tries to tell us that you know this makes me lethargic or this makes me a bit down or you know this just makes me grumpy you know we've we've lost we've lost track so mm. it's a really good thing to just to try and tune into your body and and listen to, to what it's saying to you so mm. you, you did that you heard <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so Annabelle I just want to touch back now um on what we began with with this interview which was about new beginnings and and creativity and and so on and I know that there will be some of our listeners who have had to make massive changes you know perhaps they've lost their jobs completely um and they're embarking on a whole new you know learning new skills or, or doing things that are a bit scary or perhaps they're not even at that stage yet you know perhaps they're still struggling with having had a lot of loss uh, yeah. financially or otherwise what sort of um advice would you give to people in that situation in terms of rising up well um that's a very it's a very good question it's a very hard question and also it's very you know it's going to be personal to each each individual mm. um but uh, for me um i go back to nature nature is my place where i sort of um i rise up if you like i i i, I rejuvenate myself and um i will go away every now and then i will um sweet talk my husband and he will look after the children and i will go away for you know three days and walk somewhere quite wild and remote uh, and i'll mm. just i'll do it on my i will do it on my own and for for me that is uh, uh, that is it's, it's so powerful but again that isn't everybody's cup of tea so i think you need to know do you do you need time alone or do you mm. actually need to be with people um are you are you completely a city person or 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 do you need that that you know do you need to be near water do you need to be near the sea or, or do you need to follow a river for a couple of days or do you need to be out in uh, you know in in woods um or, you know whatever it is everyone will have their their place with their landscape if you like that they will find that they will connect with and reconnect mm. with and that they will find um i i, I think deeply restorative so 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 that's what i do um mm. that doesn't necessarily work for everyone but I, but it does yeah. work for a lot of people actually, and again, a lot, a lot of a huge number of studies. In fact, there was another one this week. Uh, almost every week now, there's a study um, exploring that link between well-being and uh, nature. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I think it's it's also been quite powerful. It was quite powerful during the pandemic as well, when people were suddenly realising that a bit of bird song uh, made them feel very happy. There's a really interesting report that came out. Um, a year ago from King's College in London, which showed they looked at, at, at people's mood after hearing birdsong. And birdsong, if you listen to it properly, you know, not just sort of skating yeah. past it, if you tuned into that birdsong for literally a couple of minutes, it gave you a well-being boost that lasted four hours. And I, wow. was, just, I was absolutely blown away by this. I have four hours from just listening to some birdsong. I think it just shows that we, you know, Many of us need to, when we feel that we're heading towards, you know, that dark place, we need to, we need to get out of the house and we yeah. need to go, go reconnect. 
reconnect yeah. with, with some form of nature. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I think also, I mean, I, I, I agree with what you're saying. I really do. And I've, I've experienced the benefits myself of, of, of that. And I also believe that when we are in nature, when we are out and away, we're kind of reconnecting with ourselves. And actually, quite often, that's where the answers emerge, don't they? The, you yes. Know, the, yes, the, yeah. the solution that the, the create the creativity or the you know the idea for the new work or the new business or or something that we're going to do next often emerge in those quiet moments or, um, the, or the coming to terms with loss yeah yeah whether you're going out whether you're doing you know your long walk uh to find something or whether you're you're doing your long walk to sort of almost recover from something the, the, the answers are both inside you but having that undisturbed time where you don't, the other thing about it, which is very, very sort of prosaic really, is you don't have to make any decisions about anything. You just walk. Yeah. All your decision making is left or right here. And if you follow, I mean, one of my big walks last year, I followed a river. I didn't even have to read a map. Hmm. I just followed this river and it was very, very therapeutic. Mm, um, so, so, so you take away all of those every day, one million decisions we're all juggling. And all you have to, all you do is you put one foot forward and then another foot and you just yes. keep going and yeah. your body is exercised and your brain is um calmed and then you are able to i think find your way to solutions and decisions yeah. and things yeah yeah annabelle thank you so much for being on the podcast today it's been lovely having you as a guest um if our listeners want to know more about what you're doing and your work how can they find you they can find us at the Agewell Project, which is www.agewellproject.com. And we have a website and we, we blog two or three, sometimes four times a month. And then we're Great. on social media under the same under the same name. Great. And, and any new books in the pipeline? Any new projects? Yes, yes. Lots of books. Um, uh, Susan has written a follow-up to the Agewell Project, which is a sort of a plan an age well plan so that you can you know, put your own age well project together and i've just written a book about uh, about women going for long walks actually which is why i was doing <laughs> a lot of them uh and the, there's another novel coming out about, about food and cooking so yes lots of things happening fantastic so we'll make sure that all those links are in the show notes and annabelle thank you so much for being with us thank you so much emma sue Thank you for listening to the 7 Skills for the Future podcast. There are all sorts of things you can do to boost each of the 7 skills. If you want more ideas, you can buy the book, 7 Skills for the Future. You can also go online to our website, Unimenta, and join as a member, and you'll be able to access more resources, ideas, and free downloads. If you have a question you want to ask on these podcasts, get in touch through Instagram at 7 Skills for the Future, or on Twitter and Facebook at Unimenta. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your podcast player of choice. Music